Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. I don't really know what to call this, Keith. We've never done one of these, so uh, we'll just call it uh, Front Row Knowles Podcast. Or Friday edition or something. Usually we're on Wednesday and Sunday. Uh, every once in a while when there's a head coaching change, we'll go ahead and get together and do this. Um, this was certainly an anxious week for all. It's been a frustrating, disappointing season for all. I, the, sen- the, gen- the first, the initial sense I get uh, from people that I interact with is, is just sort of one of uh, relief, and that is in knowing. <laughs> knowing is always better than not knowing, I think, at least for most. So that's, that's kind of the initial thing. And I think to back that up, Tom, the knowing part got amplified earlier this week when there was so much that wasn't known and people started formulating opinions and therefore started judging what was or was not happening to the point that we sit here on a Friday afternoon and most people, I think it's an overstatement, but most people are relieved, A, that we have resolution and candidly that the resolution is that Jimbo chose to take another job. Because what has happened over the last five to seven days, I believe, has soured a good many of both regular fans, boosters, uh, folks within the administration. I mean, this has been a week in which nothing good could have come out of any other decision other than Jimbo taking the A&M job. And I think that all goes back to leveraging another job offer in light of a five and six season and in light of a repeated history of leveraging other jobs. Uh, Had this been the first time, the five and six record wouldn't have mattered. The fact that it comes after two years of flirtations with LSU and after a big contract was signed earlier this year that, and I don't know this, but I imagine when that contract was signed, the university had to feel like, okay, we're done playing this game for now. And then you go five and six and, and it comes back up. So I think that's where the angst came in on it. And the two-part question is, uh, are we five and six because Jimbo has been thinking about things for an extended period of time and therefore the concentration level is not what you wanted it to be? And because he is such a, a, a polarizing figure, it filtered down through the coaches to the players. And while they didn't know what they were reacting to, they knew that something was amiss. Or, number two, after being here 11 years, is it possible that Jimbo still doesn't understand how the culture of Florida State University works? And if, in fact, he doesn't and didn't and don't, then it was evident or has become evident that he didn't fit in here in the, in the way that everyone wished that he would or wished that he could. And I think uh, Jimbo, if he would be honest with himself, would recognize, and hopefully he will going forward, because it will prove worthwhile later on at some point, I'm sure, that the advisors that he had working with him, whoever they may be, Jimmy Sexton, his agent, or anyone else that had his ear, were, were encouraging him to use that or to try to use that leverage for a third consecutive year, as they should. That's their job. 
But Jimbo didn't recognize in and of himself that this was not the right time to try to do that and certainly was not the right way to try to do that. And his failure to not recognize that also is a big disappointment to me and to many others and kind of solidified or, or made it well known in our own minds that it was time for him to leave. Yeah, to your first point, uh, there's been a lot of smoke that, uh, you know, these rumors, they weren't really rumors, but, you know, it was out there a little bit, even in September, NC State weekend, that don't be surprised if Texas A&M looks at Jimbo Fisher later. Uh, and then it renewed again a month or so later. Uh, I, some folks are, are wanting to attribute what happened this season to the fact that Jimbo had checked out and was planning to go to Texas A&M in September. I don't buy that. Uh, you know, I hosted a show this Sunday. We didn't have discussions about this, even though it was right at the time that the Houston television station broke the story that he was potentially going there. Um, I think he started this week intending to be at Florida State when all was over and trying to just create a better situation, not for himself, for his players. I will say Jimbo talks a lot about the players. This was not a cash grab, in my opinion. I think he wanted a better facility, better infrastructure. It's the same thing he's wanted all along. Uh, and I think at the start of the week, the university wanted him here, and then it just got so uh, crazy as the week went on, it became untenable for him to come back. I don't, uh, again, I don't think that's where it started for him. I don't think that that's where you pin that Florida State started the season with the record they did. I would say that the 21-day layoff is probably at the top of that list, even before, uh, you know, even ahead of Francois going out. But we don't have to deliberate all about that. I'm, I'm just suggesting I don't think that, that it, at least based on my dealings with him, that he was planning to go to Texas A&M as of September, whatever the date was. And I think that's true, although I do think, as is, as is the case in, in almost any relationship, he began entertaining what-ifs as opposed to I am going to stay here. And then when the what-ifs presented themselves, he decided to take action, as you used the word, to leverage that possibility into other things, uh, to echo and to reinforce your comment. This wasn't about Jimbo getting more money on his contract. This really wasn't about him getting more money for his assistance, other than he knew he was going to have to make some staff changes and needed to have the flexibility, if he so chose, to bring in others that would be a little more expensive than the ones he might be letting go, even though we still have the fifth or sixth highest paid salary uh, pool for uh, assistance. Uh, I, I, the analogy I would use, Tommy, is, is, is if you are in a relationship and you're totally committed to that relationship, you don't even entertain other advances whether it be a romantic relationship, a work relationship, uh, you know, if you're if you're in love with a project, you're doing a sculptor or a, or a painting, uh, or a musical, uh, or a writing a play, or anything creative, you're a hundred percent in. And as soon as you have that doubt, that makes it something less than a hundred percent. And as a result, you are not you are not fully committed. Jimbo had a doubt. Whether that was in September or October or November, it may have had nothing to do with A&M. I think it, personally it had everything to do with instead of being a coach that's only worried about between the white lines and only worried about the, the welfare of the students relative to nutrition and academics and, 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 and weightlifting and the things that we associate with the student athlete, Jimbo's vision was more towards what's happening with boosters. 
What's happening with the university? What's happening with our program? Where are we going to be three years and five years and ten years down the road? And he didn't like how Florida State was set up. So he tried to use and leverage this opportunity to change the structure of Florida State in a way that met what he believed Florida State needed to be. And Florida State doesn't need to be what Jimbo wants them to be. Florida State needs to be what Florida State is, and the head coach needs to um, uh, assimilate within that. And you and I both know in talking with boosters and talking with with, uh, folks at Westcott, there were a lot of people that were not happy with Jimbo from the way he presented his idea. A, they didn't like the idea, and B, they didn't like the way he presented it. And that B part over the last five to seven days is what has come back and made this so untenable. And let's bear in mind, and we don't need to talk at length about this, I'm sure on the family side this is difficult for Jimbo. You know, I have two kids who are in first and third grade, and it would be traumatic just to move them to a different school in town, let alone moving to Houston. And so I do think that was a, and, and I don't have the circumstances that Jimbo has with, uh, you know, a child who's, who's fighting a pretty significant fight like Ethan is. Uh, I'm not divorced. I mean, there's a lot of things there and I, and I don't want to go into his personal life. I'm just to suggest that, you know, at some point that has to play in and, and that's a difficult proposition. Well, I am someone that has been divorced. Uh, I had young children when I was divorced. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that I, I've, I found Kathleen and we've been able to uh, take a blended family and make it a family family. Uh, Jimbo hasn't had that opportunity yet. Uh, he's still a single father. Uh, he still has an ex-wife that he has to work with, right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, along with the boys. And then the complicating factor, which I have, I have absolute empathy, I cannot relate to, I can't identify with, I have no idea what it feels like to have a child with an illness. Uh, I've not, I've not had to do that. So I won't even pretend I understand that. I can only say I recognize and empathize that as a father, what that must be like for Jimbo. And I think the, the good part of all of this is regardless of how people feel about how it was handled. The one thing about Jimbo is that there were times and occasions when he revealed himself, when he let his guard down, when he got outside of the process. And he's not a bad man. He is a great football coach. He is a good person. He loves his boys. And that's why you will continue. You have heard and you will continue to hear, myself included, folks at Westcott, folks in the Moore Center, uh, boosters, just regular fans say, okay, fine, this didn't work out well. We don't like it, but we wish Jimbo and his family well. We hope he has great success. We hope he finds great happiness, and I don't think there's any resentment about Jimbo growing as a person and his family continuing to grow together. We all wish that for him. There's no negative part of that. We just hate how we got here. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think most, uh, there, there will be some, there's, there's some right now who are frustrated at the way this played out publicly. Uh, thankfully, Tennessee was there this week to take much of the spotlight away from Florida State. Uh, I say that facetiously, but also truthfully. Um, but I think most, you know, let, let's remember for, if you want to classify this as, is not well handled by Jimbo on the way out. I said this at the time and I'll say it again now on the way in. When he became head coach and Bobby retired, resigned, whatever, of the three entities, Bobby, the university, and Jimbo, I thought Jimbo handled that the best in terms of how he spoke publicly. Maybe not behind the scenes, I don't know, but in terms of in front of the cameras for the press, I thought he was the best of those three 
on the way in. One of the things that I will tell you as a former player and having talked to numerous people that qualify as former players, the one thing that we will never, uh, uh, never underestimate, we will never uh, not credit, we will never uh, make light of, is how Jimbo embraced Florida State's legacy and specifically Coach Bobby Bowden. Uh, he he would often say, and you made the comment about his public comments, he would often say he's taken the foundation, the legacy that Coach Bowden has made and put together and what he represents, and he's going to build upon it. Not going to change it, not going to tear it down, but going to take it and build upon it. And he was very steadfast, at least as you say publicly, and, and I've had a, you know maybe one or two private conversations in 11 years with Coach Fisher about Coach Bowden. And even in those limited conversations, he never said anything uh, derogatory or negative. It was always about building upon that foundation. Well, and going back, and we don't need to relive all this, but uh, if it hasn't been handled delicately this week in terms of the need to forever continue to build, continue to grow your infrastructure, remember that when he transitioned, the message he had to deliver to FSU fans, boosters, administration, players, was that the legendary coach, who was now on his way out, the game had passed him by, and the facilities had passed him by, and the way he conducted practice had passed him by. That's not an easy message to communicate, but I thought publicly he actually was more diplomatic there. Uh, and then as time went on, he got frustrated, you know, for the reasons we spoke of. But I, let's not discount that. Um, and I think that most people, Keith, will remember uh, ultimately he got Florida State another national title. He went 7-1 and one against Florida and 7-1 and one against Miami. I don't care if they were down or not. You know, you look at the history of those series, one team's up, one team's down. You, you remove the emotion and look back, and there's so they're keeping score on who's got more wins and who's got more losses, and he narrowed the field on both of those uh, rivals significantly. 29 consecutive wins during a three-year period. Uh, he actually leaves with the highest winning percentage in the history of the ACC in terms of a head coach with, with, with over five years of experience. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of great things that Jimbo did. It, it is repeating ourselves. It's unfortunate that the last five to seven days have turned negative, and as a result that will uh, maybe sour or put a little uh, bad taste in people's mouths. But I think it's fair to say that Florida State has benefited from Coach Fisher being here. Uh, he's taken FSU and, and rebuilt and brought him back to a level. Uh, Florida State has been good for Jimbo Fisher, both monetarily as well as now his opportunity, which hopefully he will do well at Texas A&M. Uh, but as Coach uh, Bowden would always say, and, and as President Thrasher has said repeatedly, Florida State is bigger than any one person. And we will get past this, and we will be better because of this, and we will be better on down the road with whoever comes in behind because that's what great institutions do. Here's what we're going to do. We'll take a break, and then we'll do another segment because we've got so much more to talk about. We'll turn the Jimbo page. We'll talk about qualities or what you want to see in a coach. We'll talk about some of the names that have been discussed uh, you know, basically on the Internet and in social media. I don't have firsthand knowledge from men, from Stan or President Thrasher on who they're talking to. But uh, we'll have that discussion momentarily. Stay with us. A special edition of Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you. And uh, we continue the conversation now as Jimbo moves on to Texas A&M. Florida State will move on to find its next head coach. Uh, before we discuss that, Keith, Odell Hagens is the interim coach tomorrow. Odell is a guy who bleeds garnet and gold. And, in fact, even before we knew if Jimbo was moving on, almost every report I saw 
and again, this is social media and, and media and websites, had Odell as the one constant that was definitely going to stay on the staff of whoever else came in. I still believe that to be true. I mean, this is a guy who uh, my freshman year uh, picked off a pass against Florida as part of a 52-17 route and took it to the house. That's, that's the first time I can remember hearing the name Odell Higgins, and he gets a chance as interim coach tomorrow. Just please, oh, please, let's not ask him to do a video rap. Yeah, he, he he was also in the seminal rap, and uh, I don't know if you'd call him a supporting role, but uh, he was not going to win any nominations for his performance there. Um, you, how do you think the team will respond, given the, the uh, you know, there was a lot of clutter this week. So this news comes down on Friday, the day before a game. All the hay is in the barn in terms of practice. you got to walk through, and you got some meetings on Friday night, and you get up and play. And now your coach isn't there, and you've got Odell running the show. Uh their reaction, I predict, will be overwhelmingly positive, Tommy, for one reason. Odell bleeds garnet and gold. His message to this team will be singular. It will be, we've got to win this ball game because we've got a bowl streak we're going to keep in effect, and we've got a non-losing, season-losing streak that we've got to keep in effect. We've got one goal and one purpose, and that's to win a ball game Saturday starting at noon in Doak Campbell Stadium. He will not deviate from that message. He will not uh, clutter, to use your term, with anything else. That will be the only thing he preaches, and everybody in that room knows where Odell came from. He is a product of this university and a product of this program. Uh, He more and as much as anyone could have his picture where it says Florida State student-athlete Odell has every right to have his photograph there with anybody else that has ever come through this program. His message will be singular. Uh, I think the one thing that Odell has to make sure that he does is be very cautious in the things that he says and the things that he does, and I believe he will. Uh, This is not his opportunity to try to make a statement or express his opinion. He has one job, and that's to shepherd this group for a short period of time, and depending upon how long the coaching search goes, let's also remember there may be, maybe the opportunity for Odell to coach in the bowl game if they are victorious on Saturday, because the new coach may choose, it may take a while to get him in, may take a while to get him here, he may choose to focus strictly on recruiting and let Odell continue through the bowl game. Supposition on, uh, on my part, don't know that that's true, but it's a great opportunity for Odell, well-deserved, and he will do magnificently in it, in my opinion. From a game operation standpoint, it'll be a little bit interesting. Uh, offensively, nothing will change. Well, Randy Sanders will call plays, I would presume, but Odell's never down there talking to that. So Trickett will talk to the OL. Randy will talk to the quarterback. They all wear the headsets. He'll call the plays. Defensively, Charles Kelly will call the defense. Uh, but Odell might not be over there talking to his D tackles uh, as much as he is since he's going to be front and center. Um, but it's interesting and good for Odell on that, and I hope that Florida State plays well and does get bowl eligible. And we'll save the conversation about who coaches the team in the bowl until we figure out who the next coach is. So as we transition, and we talked about this in our Wednesday show, Keith, to me, uh, I think you need, you need – uh, you don't need to have an offensive guy. In my mind, I would go with somebody that's on the offensive side of the ball, uh, generally speaking. Generally speaking, you want somebody who has head coaching experience. Um, and I would go younger than what Jimbo is. That's not a must, but I think the staff overall needs to get younger. So if you're going to hire somebody in the 50s, 
I would hope that the assistants are, are going to be some of more of them are going to be in their 30s and closer to the players age. And I say that because clearly there was a disconnect this year. And I think that only grows with the evolution of social media and the, the wider the gap between the 18 to 22 year olds and the average age of the coaching staff. And I would agree with that. And I, I think a refresh, a redo if uh, Jimbo had stayed was certainly in order. And, 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 I, and candidly, I think it would have been done had Jimbo continued here. So there's a, a se- certain segment, number, whatever it is, don't know the, the exact uh, of the coaches that are going to be looking for new jobs. And, and obviously your new guy coming in needs to have the opportunity to bring people with him or reach out to people he wants to bring in with him. The two things I will tell you relative to character and to qualities uh, is, number one, I don't personally care whether the head coach comes from an offensive or defensive side. What I care about is that he hires coordinators and allows them to do their jobs. Uh, I am not a big fan of the head coach being the offensive coordinator, the head coach calling plays. I'm a huge fan of a head coach surrounding himself with good people and forgiving me, uh, 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 listeners, and getting the hell out of their way. Let them do their job. Coach Bowden learned to do that in the last 15, 18 years of his tenure. It, it basically started when the dynasty started, and he turned over play calling. Still involved, sometimes still got in the way, but turned it over to his coordinators. Only had two defensive coordinators in his entire tenure at Florida State and couldn't tell you what the defensive calls were if he had to. Didn't know the nomenclature, didn't know who was lining up where, and shouldn't. The head coach needs to be the CEO, and he needs to hire himself some coordinators that have the, the, uh, the he gives the authority to and has the ability to to run their segments. The second part of it is, while it might be advantageous to to consider someone who thinks they have the big picture in mind uh, about. Uh, things outside of between the white lines and outside the best interest of the players. Uh, I think we need to get back to a football coach who concentrates on being a football coach and not worried about things that the athletic director and the boosters and Westcott can take care of because that's their job to do. Interesting thing about your comments there is the the name that is out there more than any other name is Willie Taggart right now from Oregon, who interestingly is uh, younger than what Jimbo was when he became head coach, but he already has seven years of head coaching experience at Western Kentucky, USF, and now Oregon, so three different places. Very well-respected, tremendous recruiter. Uh, You know, from the people I've talked to, maybe not uh, as sharp of a football mind as what Jimbo is, but has put good people around him, and that will be a key to him. But he is the play caller, as I understand it as well, not to say he always will be. Uh, in fairness to Jimbo and Willie or other guys in that situation, they're pretty early in their head coaching tenure, and it took Bobby a lot of years in before he gave up the headsets. Well, and that's just my personal opinion because I think there have been times when Jimbo has been so concentrated on the offense he can't give any help to the defense. And then there's been other times when he's been trying to help out the defense when he ought to be on the phones with the guys upstairs making adjustments on offensive plays. You just get, there's just so many things you've got to do if you're both the play caller and the head coach. So many tasks and the human body can only perform so many of them in the three and a half hours in which the game is going on. So that's where I'm coming from. Yes, Jimbo, nobody understands football better than Jimbo. And, and that'd be unfair if you tried to compare Coach Taggart or any other coach in the United States at the collegiate level to what Jimbo knows relative to X's and O's. I want someone that's more well-rounded, someone that is more uh, less, someone who is less um, micromanaging, is more of a, uh, I'm going to have task, 
My, my people are going to know what their task is. I'm going to give them the authority to do it, and I'm going to trust them to do their job. Coach Bowden used to talk all the time, and, and, and maybe football people get this and non-football people don't. But Coach Bowden would say all the time, particularly in the latter part of his career, his job was to coach the coaches. And it was the coach's job to coach the players. And and I want to see someone of that nature. You know, there's a lot of other names out there that uh, have been bannered about Frost down at UCF, which I think basically he's committed to look at least looking at Nebraska or staying at UCF. Uh, I know there's been some unsolicited names that have come in. Uh, James Franklin from Penn State has made contact. Mac Brown, the former coach at Texas, has made contact. I, I don't know. I don't know where to go with those types of things. I don't envy the job uh, that Stan Wilcox has in terms of willing down and making a decision. Uh, I do know this. When you start looking at the names that are being talked about, it does make you feel pretty good about Florida State in terms of being a destination where people might want to come. Let's forever point this out about Jimbo. You never want to be the guy that follows the legend. And so the pool right now is better than what it was when Bobby retired because, A, the program has been restored to prominence, and, B, somebody else took the bullets as being the guy to follow the legend. Uh, and FSU owes Jimbo a debt of gratitude for doing that. And, in fact, Jimbo be, may be the most successful coach in, or you know, in terms of following a legend that there's ever been if you think about what he did and you look at how many other places misfired. But back to your point about coaches, Mac Brown, of course, played at FSU. He's been in broadcasting for a little bit. We talked about some of these names the other day. Uh, you have Stockstill, who played at FSU. Terry Bowden is out there if you want a Bowden connection. Those names haven't really been mentioned, and I, I'm more in favor, as I indicated the other day, of going younger. But, uh, yeah, Scott Frost, uh, Jeff Brom is, is a guy very well thought of. Was at Western Kentucky after Willie Taggart, now is at Purdue. Uh, James Franklin is interesting. Uh, James Franklin was at Vanderbilt. He's been at Penn State. Obviously, the Penn State president is Eric Barron. John Thrasher knows Eric Barron. That'd be a pretty simple phone call to ask for permission to have that conversation. Um, I don't know from a compensation standpoint if Florida State can get there. I, I think Franklin is already at five and a half mil per year. I don't know what his buyout situation is. I would think you could get somebody for a little bit less than that. But, you know, you also get what you pay for. And I wouldn't discount him. He's had a good track record. I would also throw out, though, that when he was at Vandy, and I don't know that any blood was on his hands because I don't know the details, he was there when there were four players involved in the sexual assault case at Vandy, four football players. And in light of the Jameis situation at FSU, I don't know if that's too much smoke for Florida State to consider. And you're, you're right to bring that up, and I don't know either. Although in light of what uh, Tennessee did to the process and them trying to bring in Shiano, you know, I, I'm scared to death about what any fans think about anything uh, and, and uh, a little bit skeptical about social media, as you well know in my ingrained uh, thought process. However it measures out, uh, it's been, uh, I think, it's public knowledge that uh, FSU has retained a consultant that will help invent some people. Uh, it'll be a national search. Uh, I don't expect that there'll be an announcement in the next 24 hours of anything happening now that uh, we know Jimbo is leaving and now that the search is underway. I think you can take your time. I don't think you wait till January to make your decision for recruiting reasons and others. Uh, but I do think Florida State's in a reasonably good position. And I think, too, that when candidates look at the Florida State job, unlike the Tennessee job or unlike other institutions, Florida State's going to be looked at favorably by candidates. Uh, maybe the last five to seven days hasn't been good because of the clutter. But Jimbo has left this program in very good shape. This program is wishing Jimbo success in his new endeavor. 
not a lot of bitterness there. And I think folks that, that are not close to Florida State and are just viewing from the outside will look at those factors and say, you know, that's a pretty progressive place to be able to do that. That might be some place I want to pay attention to and look into. I'm going to hit on that progressive word in just a minute, but uh, a theme that we talked about Wednesday, I just want to say it again. Do not worry about this year's recruiting class. There is an early signing day. Florida State lost three commitments on Wednesday night. Whoever the new coach is, A, it will sure up the loose ends with players that are having doubts right now currently on the team. B, some of the folks that decommitted will reevaluate based on the new coach. C, the new coach and his assistants will bring some commitments with them. And even, and D, even if Florida State's recruiting class winds up being 40th, 50th, 60th this year, which it won't be, there will be enough talent on next year's team to win an ACC championship and be in the college football playoff. So that is of no consequence to me. You're nodding your head. You agree. Absolutely. I mean, there are those out there who say Florida State needs to name their next hatch coach by Sunday so they can hit the road and start recruiting. No, they do not. Florida State's got time. I'm not staying wait till January, but this is not something that needs to be done immediately. And this recruiting class, A, is salvageable. Because the kids that are not that are decommitting, they're decommitting because Jimbo's gone. They just may just as easily recommit when Keith Jones or Tom Block is named the new head coach. It's they're decommitting because they don't know what's happening. As soon as what's known comes back, then they'll reevaluate. And if you do lose them, so be it. For the reasons you talked about, the new staff head coach and assistants, are going to bring players that they have already been recruiting and know and come into. Uh, it'll be a wash. I'm not worried about it. And E, by the way, you and I have talked about Florida State needs less five stars and more football players. And guess what? If you miss all the five stars, you'll go out and find some three stars and four stars who are football players that will make this roster pretty well. Well, you you always clean up our act. I use the term, we, we've got enough thoroughbreds, we need some mules. <laughs> The word progressive. So I've thought about this. I haven't had time to research it, but I'm going to bring it up now because I haven't seen it reported. And I don't know if Willie Taggart is going to be the, the coach. But if it is Willie Taggart or a minority head coach, Florida State would maybe be the only school in the country that has an African-American men's basketball coach and an African-American football coach. And I have to believe would be the only university in the country that also has a black athletic director. And this will sound strange, but let it resonate. I don't know that any major college athletics program has ever had all three at one time. And I bring that up as somebody who works at the university. FSU wins awards for diversity and inclusion all the time. I'm in favor of hiring the best candidate, whoever that may be. But if that's the way it ends up, uh, that's progressive for FSU. And I would echo that. It's not as high on my radar. Because... I'm, not, I'm not saying do it to – that's what I'm saying. Hire the best coach. I'm just saying that if that's what it ends up being, if it ends up being a minority or one of the coaches' name, that's where you are. Well, see, you cut me off. I was trying to be cute about Okay, it. go ahead. I don't care if he's blue when we call him a Smurf. And that's where I am. I want the best head coach. It would be great if some of those other boxes could be checked off. That's wonderful. Uh, but I, I have complete and total faith in Stan. And, and President Thrasher and, and, and whoever they use to help them vet and look at and put together uh, that Florida State is an attractive destination that there's going to be a number of people that want to come to, and Florida State will be in the enviable position of being able to take a little bit of time and make their best selection, and that selection will be one that I think all of us will be very, very proud of. All right, folks, it was a bonus week for you. 
two whole extra podcast segments from yours truly and Keith Jones. And guess what? We've got one more Sunday edition coming up after tomorrow's football game that uh, will air this Sunday. Uh, it's been a tough week, but uh, we have some resolution, at least on one end. We'll see who the head coach ends up being going forward. I know this, Keith. There's not another school in the nation that can make the claim that every one of its football coaches over the last four-plus decades has been a national championship football coach. But that's the case at FSU. Very much so, and I would predict that in the near term, not in the decades to come, but in the near term, there'll be a new head football coach at Florida State University that will also be a national champion. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you on Sunday morning.